1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
2: Believe.
1: It's time for the Blue Glows Podcast.
0: Your host, Alonso and Juan, Alicia del Valle,
1: and the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code Believe BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And joining us on the carne asada, you see him on the MLB network. He gives us the, the, the baseball news that we need to know. And he's also a very proud Michigander, John Morosi. John, como estas amigo?
3: Todo bien Juan, placer It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Uh, Spanish, English, we, we can go any uh any language you want for the for the balance of the conversation. I just wanna say thank you for, for the opportunity to talk about the Dodgers with you today.
1: Damn, I was not that was not on my bingo card. That was very impressive, John. I, I really appreciate that you get the show. So let's let's get into it, John. Uh, before we, we talk about the Dodgers and the Bravos, I do want to talk about the Dodgers trade acquisitions because out here, they got a lot of grief for not getting difference makers. but what they did get were guys who addressed problems or how, however you want to say it, issues for them. It has now been a month since the trade deadline. How do you view these trade acquisitions the Dodgers made?
3: It made the Dodgers a more complete team. Juan, I really believe that. And whether it's Lance Lynn, who will get the ball in in our showcase game on Thursday, the Braves and Dodgers on MLB Network, I think we've really noticed an uptick in his performance. And that's just a great credit to the Dodgers. It's amazing that when your organization and your infrastructure are that strong, to where you can take someone else who's got a a six ERA elsewhere and say, you know what, we've noticed a couple things. And Mark Pryor and and Danny Lehman and the full group of of the Dodgers uh, game preparation team can look at the data and say, let's use this pitch more, this pitch less. Let's work on this one mechanical adjustment and see how we do with that. And then you see the results. And on some level, it becomes a a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, I believe, Juan, that the Dodgers are just so good at this, And their, their infrastructure is so good. They're collectively so smart that when players come in, they get better. There's a trust and, and you might get the same piece of information from someone else in the industry, but when it comes from the game planning department of of the Los Angeles Dodgers or the pitching coach of the Dodgers or the hitting, hitting coach of the Dodgers, it carries different weight because everybody in the industry knows what the Dodgers have done since 2013, the, this amazing streak of playoff appearances. So I think it's a combination of getting the right people, the right students who will be receptive to the information that they're getting. So whether it's Lynn or, or Kelly or Kike and, and what he has meant to, to the organization coming back, I just think that collectively they've done a good job of bringing in additional players. And I think the, the final point I would make, Juan, is that the Dodgers, they don't need to bring in an MVP because they've already got two. Uh, in, in Mookie and Freddie. So depending on how the voting goes and we'll see who the front runner ends up being, who actually gets the, the award. But for me, you've already got players at an MVP level and the way that those two guys are playing is setting such a positive tone for the rest of the organization to where I'm not sure how many other position players they needed beyond making sure that you had Kike and his versatility there as part of your club.
1: You know, so you mentioned on Thursday it's the opening of a big series between the Doyers and the Bravos. It's going to be on MLB Network. John, what I I don't know if this applies to baseball, but can you really – do you show your card too early? Like, are they really going to go all out in this series for fear that we're going to see each other hopefully down the road again in the postseason? Do you be careful how much you show in this series?
3: No, you don't. Uh, In my estimation, you don't. And uh, first of all, these are two teams that love to compete and and two organizations that go way back. Uh, In in the game today, Juan, I really believe there are are almost no secrets left. The scouting is so good. The the game planning is so precise that very rarely do you get to an October series and anyone says, wow, what we saw was a total surprise. We had no idea that was coming. Uh, Maybe at different times you'll show – Maybe you show a bunt here or there, a wrinkle. Maybe you throw down to to second base behind a runner as a back pick to try to keep them honest, or or you back pick to first. Maybe you do some different things like that. But I, I would not expect that you're holding back anything. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn's going to pitch to win this game. I mean, they they still have home field to compete for, even though I think both are very comfortable division winners at this point. You still have to keep trying to to finish with the best record. And now that best record is what guides home field advantage in the playoffs all the way through, y- you tend to really focus on that and, and consider where, um, where the seeding plays out and, and what it means to have a game seven at home. So I think you play it straight up to the full extent that you can. Uh, you'll have Spencer Strider, who's going for a, a Cy Young, potentially uh, pitching for the Braves in the opener of that series. So uh, when you've got Olsen and Freeman on the same field and Acuna and Betts in the same field, Everybody's competing for a for an MVP and for a division championship. I think there is going to be nothing held back by either team.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it, uh, and that's where I wanted to go. I, first of all, do you have a vote in the MVP?
3: I don't this year. I'm an American League voter uh, since I still live here in Michigan, so I'm an American League chapter voter. So that actually works well, Juan, for our conversation <laughs> here because I can give you my full, unvarnished, honest opinion without having to cover my tracks like I sometimes do when I talk about the awards that I'm actually voting on.
1: So, I I mean, we've heard Mookie, we've heard Freddie and we've heard Acuna, but the guy that I feel doesn't get talked about enough is, is Matt Olson. And the season that he's having, John, can you fill in us Dodger fans? Like what, like how great, of a season he's having, actually. Well,
3: it's a great point, Juan, and obviously Olsen succeeded Freddie as the first baseman in Atlanta. He's from the Atlanta area, actually went to the same high school as Jeff Francoeur. So this is a, a very, very proud baseball high school. And interestingly, in, in Olsen's case, you might have the rare player who both plays all 162 and leads the league in home runs. the The list of players who can say they've done that is quite small at least in the recent history of the game. And so to see Olsen do that and, and be as consistent as he's been, I think is a great credit to him and his professionalism preparation. You know, we had a game in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and I was there on a Monday the, the Braves had actually just gotten back in from New York. They had had a, a rain, rain out, double header, long travel, Sunday night, baseball, all those, those challenges. And there he was at four o'clock before, you know, three hours before the game starts working on picks and scoops with Ron Washington, their infield coach. And so that would have been a very easy day to take that day off. Rest your body. It's, It's August. It's hot. Why? Why push it? Well, he pushes it because he wants to play every game. And I think that the mental fortitude of that Braves team and how many of their guys play every day, Juan, is a real tribute to them, their professionalism. And, and why they won a World Series two years ago and why they believe they can do it again. And so even though Olsen was not on that World Series team in 21, he clearly embodies the professionalism that took them to that championship. He understands the organization. I think in a lot of years, he'd be the runaway MVP. I think probably the odds right now are a bit against him. But who knows? I mean, one thing I've always said, Juan, when I voted for the MVP or Cy Young, I really try purposely to not rank the players in my mind on the award that I'm voting on, like for the NL MVP, I I've already got thoughts on that, but for the awards that I'm voting on and this year I'm doing Cy Young in the American league, I really purposely don't talk about it. And I really don't even do a ton of homework on it because I want to wait until the last couple of weeks of the season. Cause sometimes you'll, you'll have someone that says, Oh, in August, it's clearly this player. Well, don't get that stuck in your head and then keep having to either prove or disprove that theory. Let it play out. So I would hope that the NL MVP voters are still a couple weeks away from really doing the hard work on this, because I think to start the process now would almost be a little bit unfair to being thorough with how you actually fill out your ballot.
1: So you're still not going to give us your pick for NL MVP
3: MVP right now. I would, I would say Mookie. I would say Mookie because Not just his performance, Juan. I think that having Mookie come in and play second base opens up the rest of the Dodger lineup. Dave Roberts, what a luxury to have someone as talented as Mookie. You've got two future Hall of Famers in your lineup, another one in your rotation, and they are as selfless as you could possibly find among superstars in our game right now. So uh, I would vote for Mookie. Again, right now, and I'm fully comfortable saying that. And It's subject to change because I think you have to wait for all – six months to be played. We're here at the five-month mark. I just believe Mookie deserves it. He changes the lineup by his ability to play Gold glove defense at multiple positions. So against a right-handed pitcher, you can have Mookie play second, and then your outfield is is left-handed, left-handed, left-handed. Peralta, Outman, Hayward. And by the way, what a great story that you've got Hayward and, and Freddie back together again, close friends since their time in the Braves organization. So I just think... You've got a lot of really professional people um, in this Dodger organization and really on the brave side too. That's why I personally enjoy this series and this matchup as much as any matchup in the game because you've got a lot of players who I believe embody the very best of the game in terms of their athleticism, their passion for the sport, their leadership, their character. You've got a a really great matchup of of two collections of people, let alone ballplayers.
1: Last one, because I want to be respectful of your time, John. Uh, Out here, and it also seems on a national level, it seems the biggest concern going into the postseason for the Dodgers is the starting rotation. What are, I mean, they need Julio, they need Kershaw to go back, turn back the clock and pitch to how they pitched in the the past. If they don't, what are the odds that they're even going to get to the NLCS against the Bravos?
3: I I think that the Dodgers, if they don't get solid starting pitching they're vulnerable in the first round second round any round uh obviously to your point you would expect them to get the bye through the the wild card round and then into the next round the division series but even then let's say you run up against the Milwaukee Brewers that's no fun that team right now is pitching as well as anybody else in Major League Baseball and I would want no part of that team you got Devin Williams at the back of the back end of the game no fun there. And their lineup has been newly fortified. Mark Canna's been great for them. Carlos Santana as well. So Milwaukee's a tough team to have to deal with. Any of the wildcard teams, the Phillies, think about how good they were last year in the playoffs. So you've got to pitch. And I'll tell you this, Juan, the, the pitcher that I'm watching most carefully with the Los Angeles Dodgers right now is Julio Urias. In my opinion, he is probably the most important player on this roster as you get towards October, certainly you could argue Mookie or Freddie, and and I agree because they're playing every day. But at least on the pitching staff, Julio Urias at an all-star level is the difference for me between an early exit and a World Series championship. If If he is going to be like himself, like he has been in the past, dominant in the playoffs, if he can find that, he opens up a whole lot of opportunity. But to your point, when you think about Gonsolin out, Bueller probably shorter bursts, Dustin May is out. You start going on your list of who can I really rely on to give me a six or seven inning start. Otherwise, if if Kershaw is a five inning guy or a six inning guy and Bueller might be a four or five inning guy, there's no Gonsolin, then you start counting innings. And if you get to a game five against Milwaukee, who's left? So you, you need Urias to not just be good, but to give you a good quantity of innings. Quality and quantity. You need that from someone. Kershaw's getting up there in years. It might not be quite as fair to ask him to to be an eight-inning maestro in the the playoffs. That pitcher, based on age, accomplishment, what he means to the organization, Julio Urias needs to be that guy.
1: And there you have it. Muchas gracias to our compadre, John Morosi for laying down the information and that perspective. Us homers, we look at it through a a different lens, John. So I appreciate you keeping it real and very grateful for your time. Again, Thursday, the MLB Network will be showing the first game of this Dodgers-Bravo series. John, muchas gracias, amigo.
3: Juan, el placer es mío. Estamos hablando y nos vemos a Dodger Stadium durante esta
1: awesome i love it
3: gracias and a
1: big thank you once again to john morosi of mlb network for joining us on this show and giving us that preview of the doyers and the bravos uh joining me now on the show is one of our favorite shit talkers the president of the austin barnes fan uh, fan club the boatman jason barquero jason como estas amigo
0: Muy bien, gracias, and thank you for having me for Noah Syndergaard tonight. Oh, wait, wrong, wrong episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm starting to no, start my own. No, I'm glad you
1: brought that up because I do want to ask you, but <laughs> how have you been, man? What What do you got to share with us? You know, I wanted to share something really quick. I, I had to. It happened to me today and
0: about the third inning, and I said, ooh, I got a good one to start off for the show. <laughs> so I'm watching the Dodger game. My 11-year-old daughter walks in, and she says, she's like, oh, I can't even say this with a straight face. And she says, Oh, she goes, Papi. She said, um, is that uh, uh Ryan Ryan Popote is uh is pitching. I said, Did you say Popote? I said it's Pepio. I was busting up. I said, Oh, I gotta share this with the guy. So that is the new nickname, Ryan Popote. Oh, that is the most man. Mexican thing that has happened in my household in days. So I just had to share that. That literally happened about two hours ago. It was too funny, too funny,
1: you know, next time we have Popote on the show, we should <laughs> we have to let him know, hey, man, I know you're French and all, but your Mexican nickname is Popote, so when popote. you come on when you're out there on the mound uh you you are popote uh, uh but man i I want to get your thoughts on on what morosi uh was saying first of all. His, his opinion on the trade acquisitions yeah. that the Dodgers have made And it, it is now close to a month that we've been seeing that these guys that they traded for have been contributing one of the guys that I, I didn't even get to ask him about but I don't think we talk about enough pitched in this game uh, at the time that we're recording the Doyers are playing the, the Serpientes in the final game of this three game set and it looks like they're about to sweep but Ryan Yarbrough this guy, I think, has been an uh, under-the-radar acquisition. Like, he comes in, he pitches three or four innings every game he plays in, he, he piggybacks the starter, and, and he's just been solid, man, uh, under the radar. What do you think about all the rest of these trade acquisitions?
0: it's been great i i mean it, let, let's call it what it is I, I can't even talk shit like you would say about any of these moves <laughs> they've all panned out as, as as better than expected you know uh, it uh, you, you got to give the dodger brass you got to give the folks doing the homework you got to give them a lot of credit Um, I'm really impressed. I mean, none of these folks are superstars or not, not anymore. Anyways, right. Jason Hayward was a superstar. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's maybe not what he, where he would want to be, but he's still very productive, very good. And just an amazing teammate, but I know that's an acquisition before the season, but still when you put the pieces, so I'm counting everything that happened even before the season. And I think Fred Rogan was talking about this this week, about just no one expected the team to be this good. They are definitely outperforming. You can go back. I think I I said that uh, very early on on this show, many months ago, I gave this team a 92-win season, I think might have been my prediction, 92-90, something like that, low 90s. They're on pace to win a little over 100 if they keep this pace. But even if if under that pace, they could hit 100 wins. That's insane, so going back to your question, uh, look, I think what the Dodgers have pieced together when you talk about pitching because I know that's something that Morosi harped on quite a bit, and he 's absolutely right. that is the Achilles, if there is one for the Dodgers right The, the hitting is there they 're going to have to score runs because i don 't anticipate that the pitching is going to be perfection, but the Yarbros, all these different players that they've brought up and they 've been developing now uh, you 're not going to get seven innings like he said out of anyone. But quite frankly, in the postseason, does anyone really go seven innings anymore? I mean, you, you don't you don't see the Madison Bumgarner type of games that you saw back the last, in the last decade or so, right? And so you're going to get five innings, four innings in some cases. The Dodgers have actually done a lot of this where they have bullpen games, and so they've mastered that. I feel really well, or they've had these starters that go three or four innings. I think we're going to see a lot of that in the postseason. It's not sexy. It's not what people want. You're not going to have these oral Hersheiser or Fernando Valenzuela moments where they're going to go full games. But you know what? It's it's a different era. And so you're going to get what you're going to get out of Kershaw, five innings, which, and I know this is a bad joke, but he, we those of us know that he's good for six in the postseason anyways. <laughs> so this keeps him out of any trouble. <laughs> so I'm actually very excited about that. Um, and so I, I think you're going to see a lot of guys playing this mid-relief role that's going to be so key. Um, so I, I have more to say about that, but to answer your question. Yeah, I mean, you got to be impressed with Lance Lynn. You got to be imp- impressed with everyone on there that they brought on board. Um, it's the pieces to the puzzle that they needed. And, and look, they're you know they're doing great, and um, I, I love that they're sweeping the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks Diamondbacks came in hot. They came in they red hot, and I was you know, and so the Dodgers did what they needed to do: take the series, detain the Diamondbacks a little bit, push them back. The last thing you want is for them to get really hot and the Dodgers to get, you know, really slow going into September. It's, I haven't been this excited about the team. I'll be honest with you. You're not going to get a lot of shit talking today. Even Austin Barnes is going to get some love. Then he hit a double or something. Damn Austin, you're not making my job any fun. You're not going to have me
1: back on this podcast anymore if I'm too nice. I mean, look at this point, it's, it's, it's a very interesting because we had the, um, we had friend of the guy kind of, of Dylan and on the show, and he you know he was very critical along with plashkey about the fact that the Dodgers didn't get trade didn't get difference makers at the trade deadline, but so far, the guys they have traded have solved issues for them Absolutely. but like I was talking with Dylan, in the end, these trade acquisitions are not going to be measured by the regular season uh because Morosi said it, it was like, look, they didn't need. Much help in order to win the division. Right. What these moves are going to be measured about is how they do in the postseason. So, babyface, I, I say to you, you know, Morosi seems to think the pitching staff is the Achilles heel. Everybody we talked to is worried about the pitching staff. I mean, Dylan in previous episodes had us already by game three pitching a bullpen game. Do you think these acquisitions that they made? it is going to pay a dividend in the postseason, babyface. This year is going to be different.
2: I mean, the thing with the pitching staff, is we, we've been saying this all year, it's like we didn't understand how it kind of stuck together, right? It was kind of just taping it together, right, and going through. And now they're finally kind of like they're on a road, they're on a groove, they're, and they're pitching well. And And what kind of gives me optimism is that they face teams that are pretty good, right? Especially coming after the all-star break, right? They, they played the Orioles, right? Second best record in the league, right? And they took care of business there. They played the Rangers. They took care of business there, right? They played some other post-season teams like Arizona, Miami, right? And they're going, it's the same pitchers that are going, to, going into the post-season. So that kind of gives me optimism that, you know what? They can handle it. And, you know, if they don't give them seven innings, right, we're seeing what this offense can do, right? And they can, and even if they don't get it from the starter, they'll somehow get it later on, you know, in the sixth, seventh inning. Usually they're, they're getting those big hits. So, but this next series, and we're going to talk about it against Arizona. I think it's a, I think it's a real huge test, right? Obviously, to see where they match up, and you know, like Morosi was saying, you mean I, the broad the problems? Yeah, when, when the when the Braves come to town, yeah. I think I think it's it's a big series, kind of see where they match up. And, you know, if they're if they're going for it, you know, if if they're not holding anything back, we're going to definitely see uh, a huge series. And and Dodgers still have if they want that home field advantage, right? You know, if they they walk away with a sweep, they're they're, they're tied with them. So I think it's going to be a big series to kind of see where they're at.
1: The one thing that I think we can't lose sight of, and I know the offense has just been spectacular uh, since the All-Star break. They've been on this ridiculous run. I don't expect that this offense is going to play like this in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. So what concerns me is when you have guys like Bobby Miller give up four runs, I don't expect the Dodgers are going to be giving you seven-run support in the playoffs. So that's, that's the thing that when, when all these national guys are these guys who aren't homers, when they're being honest with us, that's what the concern is. It is just like, yeah, right now, this offense, I think is carrying this team because, okay. Yeah. The starters gave up four runs and they were able to, to win the game. Well, they won the game because the offense dropped seven, they dropped eight. And I just don't think that's going to happen in the playoffs. But one of the things that he talked about on there, and I want to get your your thoughts on this boat, man, is the MVP talk. Because all of a sudden, this conversation has taken a turn. I think probably before the month of August, I think it was a foregone conclusion that Okuna was the MVP. And now all of a sudden... With the month that Mookie is having, I know Morosi says Mookie is the MVP. In the end, I don't see, I don't think Mookie's going to win. And I don't think Freddie Freeman's going to win because I think those dudes are going to split the vote. They're going to take votes from one another. And I think Ocuna is going to benefit from that. Now, yeah, You know, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, our listeners, our viewers have been chiming in a lot of back and forth between Mookie and Freddie. The argument that Morosi made for Mookie being MVP, I think, is a very strong and valid argument. But we had one of our listeners say, look, Freeman has been doing this all year. Right. You know, I, I can't think that you... You can't forget – you can't take Freddie for free uh, – you know, Freddie, you know, for for granted here. But, man, I mean, what – how are you – how is this MVP race shaping up for you?
0: I actually have Mookie Betts as third place. I, I, he's not my MVP. Um, it's between Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. I think the numbers are better. Um, I'm a big batting average guy. And, yeah. and when you got guys who – Acuna is at 334 I just checked right now I don't know where Mookie is at now Mookie has been making a case for it because he was you know 280s, 290s and all of a sudden yeah. the guy's hitting 310, 312 what have you and hitting a ton of home runs he's making it interesting if it was between those two the reason why I would still vote for Acuna are the stolen bases and so I think you have to put the whole package together now Freddie Freeman no one talks about Freddie uh, Freddie's just he's he's on the verge of winning the batting title for the national league. I mean, everything has number one batting average. That's, that's something that's saying a lot in terms of home runs. He, he's right up there. Not as strong as Mookie, but he has a much better batting average. Now he does. You, you talk, you get, you get into, um, uh, what they look like out on the field in terms of who's a gold glover and what have you, then, you know, Mookie has been very versatile. So I get that. And I think Morosi talked about that, about the versatility. And that says a lot for a player. You can move into second, go into the outfield. He's a five tool player. Um, it's it's tough, man. It's tough, but I still, I have Acuna uh, above Mookie, um, but I'm torn of where Freddie falls in this. And so I, I really think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the bias of whoever's doing the votes. And I think if you have, if, if someone from LA wins, they're going to say, well, there's a lot of writers that are Dodger mm-hmm. fans and the bias there. And so I, I think there's a very good chance that could happen. It probably will be a Dodger, um, but Boy, oh boy, they're, they're making it tough—really tough. Really tough. I, I think in the next thirty days or so, I think we'll see it begin to um, spread out a little bit. Uh, we'll see who who falls off, and and we'll have a clear winner there. But um, yeah, I I would say right now it's it's Acuna for me. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that.
1: Well, uh, you know the the thing was, and I'm talking about Mor- talking about it with Morosi, Matt Olson is having a ridiculous season, right? But for some reason. He's not talked about as much in this race. And for I don't see Matt Olson taking the amount of votes away from Ocuna that Federico Ombre Libre is going to take from Mookie or vice versa. Now, I know you just mentioned a trigger word for Babyface. So I'm going to let Babyface chomp at the bit here. The stolen base stat with Ocuna, uh, Babyface, I know you, you, you want to, do you take umbrage with that stat?
2: If this was any season before this season, yes. <laughs> Since the rule change, that stat is not the same anymore. If that's, if the rule change was in place when Ricky Henderson was around, guy would be stealing 200 bags a year. Yeah. So because they're, they could only disengage two times, third, third time they got to make sure they get them out, the, ba- the bags are bigger, that stat is no longer the same. So Acuna wasn't stealing 60 bags, 70 bags prior to this season. So that you have to take that stat with a grain of salt. So that's why I don't think it's a big deal anymore. And I don't think and I think the writers see that as well, that it is kind of a, a stat that doesn't have its same its same value. doesn't have that same like uh you know glistening it's not glistening the same. So I mean what Morosi said though for with Mookie, I mean Mookie is Mookie we were talking about this at the beginning of the year, right? When when Mookie was hitting like I think it's hitting like two forty, two fifty yeah. Then he got to 260. And we're like, that—that's not Mookie, right? We'll, we we we'll, we would be happy if he got to like 280, you know. And then he, you know, he got there. He's hitting like 310 or something like that now. So he's—he's yeah. he's definitely raised that average. He, guy's gonna hit like 40 bombs, right? He's playing right field. He played short. He's playing second. So that, to me, like I said, when when you're looking at MVP, the guy that's most valuable on your team, the guy's gonna do anything for anything for your team to win. I mean, that's Mookie. Right. and I mean, Freddie obviously has had a great season as well. But I think one of the big metrics that they look at look at is war. And who's leading in war right now? It's Mookie Betts. So I think that's why it, when it comes all said and done at the end, if Mookie's still up there and leading in war, I think he's going to be MVP. And like the thing with playing, it's not going to be a unanimous vote. It's not going to be one guy unanimously. I mean, it's going to get spread out between those guys, Mookie, Freeman, Acuna, Olsen. I've even heard Bellinger getting votes, so I think it's going to be all spread out. Put a pin in the Bellinger thing. We're we're going to revisit <laughs> that that conversation,
1: but uh, I, I, you know, I like you, Boatman, I, I'm a big batting average guy too. And the thing is, is if you compare Mookie and Ocuna's numbers, they're pretty they're pretty close. Like, yeah, it, it breaks down almost even, right? But here's the thing about Federico. Federico might win the batting title. And at the, uh, even just like maybe two months ago, I don't know if that was possible because Luis Arais was having a ridiculous season. The guy was flirting with 400. Nobody thought, oh, that's the, that, no one's going to catch that guy. That's a done deal. That guy's going to win the batting title. And then slow and steady, here comes Federico. And now Federico, you know, he, he might overtake him and win the batting title. Mind you also, this is a ridiculous stat. And correct me if I'm wrong on this one, uh, baby face. Federico might get 60 doubles this year. That hasn't been no. done since like the 1930s or was it the 1920s that someone has hit 60 doubles and maybe 30 home runs as well. I I mean it's it is this is how insane this MVP race is going to be because I think you also have the confusion that when it comes to voting for MVP, what are you voting on? Because the argument that babyface Babyface makes in terms of what is value, what is value, I totally buy that argument for Mookie. But at the same time, how many writers vote because you're the best player on the best team in the league? which I think Acuna is going to get a lot of those votes. The Braves are the best team in in, in all of Major League Baseball. Acuna plays for it. Acuna is a big contributor on on that. And then I think there's people who vote on who is just the best player in baseball. So that argument there is, do people view Acuna as being the best baseball player in baseball? The season that Mookie is having right now, this is what I... I thought we were the Dodgers were going to get with Mookie, the guy who hits over three hundred, the guy who's hitting home runs, like all this other stuff of him playing different positions. I didn't expect that. I mean that that's just added. But you know, Babyface and I have talked about this before. Like in past seasons, we thought Mookie's batting average was kind of low. I was like, didn't was he yeah. in like a three hundred hitter in Boston? But so now the version of Mookie that we're seeing right now. It's just so impressive, but uh, Boatman, do you have a clear definition on if you had a vote? Like, what are you basing your vote on for MVP?
0: Yeah, I ba- I would base it on who's the best player in the league. That that's what I typically would vote for, and I think that's in general what most people would vote for when it's a clear winner. It's really tough here. Um, Matt Olsen is hitting 271 he'll get some votes but he's not the MVP you can't be that far off you can't be 60 percentage points behind <laughs> somebody and, and and even come close that's just not going to happen and so he's not nearly as good of a hitter as these other guys are You know. Um, going back to the stolen bases though when I look at Mookie Betts he only has 10 and so I get it the bases are bigger but they're bigger for everyone and so he's got t- only 10 bags and the fact that this guy has sixty and he's taking advantage of the fact that hey, I can, I can steal some bases. That that says a lot, right? And so I'm looking at that also.
2: Mookie is also thirty. Acuna is twenty-three.
0: Uh, age doesn't matter the MVP. Yes, it does. No, speed, it doesn't. Speed does. No, but not the age. I'm not voting based but on age. But the
2: speed You're... does. I mean, he's not gonna. He's not twenty-three-year-old Mookie Betts that's gonna go out there and steal fifty bags. He's not, but oh well he's had his day and (laughs) And so i don't care no it's a good point
0: you're right if you're not comparing apples to apples but the the mvp is statistically who is the most valuable player in the league without accounting for 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 age to be honest i'm not accounting for age i don't think i don't think we should
2: um i get it we can so why isn't acuna playing shortstop or third base Oh, because like they Mookie. don't need
0: him to play shortstop in the
2: second. No, we, we do because he because he
0: can. He, <laughs> we don't, we don't even can. have a decent second baseman. <laughs> and and a
2: also when you, out there, back out there starting. When you day. take I mean, him that into account something. for most valuable, play. it's got to be on both sides of the ball, right? Not and just offense and defense.
1: Dude, right. are, are you saying that Okunia is a chump on defense? <laughs> I mean, he's a damn good no, outfielder.
2: But, no, but it's got to be on both sides of the ball, and right and when you see what, what Mookie's doing on both sides of the ball, like said, at different positions, I think that. Outweighs Acuna.
1: All right, so let me add, let me get in it's on this age thing. Since you guys are ages and you guys are discriminating <laughs> against old people, then what's the? How do you defend Mookie when Federico has more stolen bases than he does, and Federico's older? Well, that's another point. Did, Federico's did, did, the oldest one of this did you see, did group, you see and Jeff, he has more stolen bases than Mookie.
2: Did you see J- Jeff Passan's truth bomb that he sent out a couple of days ago? Yeah, I did about see that. the about the runs created on steals. Freddy has more runs created than Acuna does, and Acuna has 60 stolen bases. He, it, he's just stealing bases to It's not actually creating too, runs, though. It's not actually that, creating runs. But that has a lot to dude, do I don't think there's you. a stat
1: that you're just stealing bases for stealing bases. If you steal a base, it is still helping your
2: team, man. But you right. can steal a base and not score, though. But that's not your fault. That's who's yeah. hitting behind you. That's their fault. But a so stolen base, like a stolen because... base is more valuable if it's if it's cashed in. But though, that's right? not
0: my fault, though. See, I should not be rated on whether it's cashed in. That's the other guy. If I'm in a crappy, shitty team, then <laughs> then you know, then that's not my fault. They couldn't bring me in. I will say this though, and I will <laughs> I just give got you a
1: vision. Boatman's the guy's
0: like, I went four for four today. I don't know what the <laughs> yeah. fuck you guys did. I went four for four. Yeah, but here's the thing though. To, to roger's point here's what, what where teammates who you're hitting around matters this is why i give mookie credit he doesn't have anybody strong hitting behind i'm sorry where i give freddie freeman credit mookie gets to lead off and has freddie freeman hitting behind him that's an advantage you have an mvp and who's hitting behind freddie freeman remind me who hits behind freddie every night but Will that's Smith. another stat who hits behind it- him Will Smith, a guy That's... who doesn't doesn't really threaten anybody. So the fact I give <laughs> Freddie Freeman bonus points. I mean, call Will Smith, and a, 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 you know, a, a general, a decent guy, decent, good, good family guy, I'm sure. But here's the thing, Mookie bets and you've got Freddie Freeman behind you. I'm taking some points away, okay? I'm giving a now who hits behind Ronald Acuna? No, I'm really curious who hits behind Acuna. That lineup Generally. is stacked. If you haven't looked at the exactly, Bravering. so now all of a sudden I've given Freddie Freeman because after Freddie. Eh, let's face it: the Dodgers are where they are because they got two guys that are playing amazing M- baseball.
2: Mookie is a leadoff hitter that's going to hit forty bombs and have over a hundred runs.
0: If you put Will that's Smith behind it. Mookie, he does not hit those many home runs, and he does his average is not three. I would I would venture to guess that the reason he's having that good of a year also is because Freddie's also having a great year. Even though he has a great year every year, it works for him. I'm not trying to take anything a, a lot away from Mookie. But you do have to look at who hits behind you. If you put me in front of a guy that hits, that sucks. That sucks for me because now folks are going to play around with me and they're not going to give me meatballs to hit. People are wondering why Mookie's blasting. Like, well, because they don't want to walk him and have to face the other behemoth behind him. So, you know, I, I, you kind of have to look at that too. And Because and, after Freddie Freeman, there really isn't anyone that's really scaring me a heck of a whole lot. They're good hitters, but there's an advantage there for Mookie to be hitting in front of Freddie Freeman, I think.
1: You know that's a very interesting point boatman and I that was like get on on the boat moment right there everybody get on the boat <laughs> the the boatman came in strong I I agree with you in in, in this sense boatman I think there is Will Smith is is a very good player but there is a big drop off from going from Federico to Will Smith but here's like when we look at the Bravos lineup Okay, Ozzy Albies is hitting behind Acuña. Ozzy mm-hmm. Albies is hitting 269 right now. So, I think there's there's some truth to what the boatman is saying, babyface. I think you need to get on the boat on this. Get on the boat.
2: <laughs> I see who the instigator is. <laughs> <laughs> you got Albies, Riley, Olsen. Like you gonna tell me that's not a a pretty tough lineup hitting after Acuña? You know, yes, know but it's not sh-
1: Federico. None of those guys that you just <laughs> mentioned right now—Ozzy Albie's, Austin Riley. So multiple All Star.
2: Ozzy Albies is is just. Um, oh wow!
1: Are you really telling me right now? You're putting Ozzy Albie's in the same <laughs> no but he's category? He's a multiple, multiple All Star, right? He's a great player, right?
0: Yeah. That's
1: I, what I'm saying. I there's no and, and, and look in, and not there is no. I'm not a comic book guy, so I'm I'm not using the proper verbiage here in Bizarro World. There is no world where I would put Ozzy Albies in the same category as Federico. There is a difference there to the point that the boatman is making that Mookie is getting a level of protection with Federico that I don't think Acuna is getting with Albies. Remember when Jeff Kent got upset? Because the media was insinuating that he was
0: having a great year after how many- they ha- they signed Manny Ramirez, and, and guess go- what? They were right.
2: <laughs> go look- Manny
0: behind you.
2: Go look up how many home runs Albie's has.
0: Twenty-eight. That's right. I just looked at. Yeah. No, Albie's is, Albie's the is better hitter than Will Smith. I, I, I think, or you know, more so, of a threat, more of a. So threat. we're going to completely par, he's disregard. Par, he's
2: on par with how many home runs Freddie Freeman has. So and what's your batting good? average? I mean, you know, batting average does not count for anything now. Of course,
0: it does. You're yeah, getting on not base in, more not often. To, you're not getting in today's it.
2: game. People Absolutely do not care about does. batting
0: average. Uh, no, oh no, gosh, no, 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 no. I, I guess we're just old
1: school. Uh, no, but but it's, because... it's simple math.
0: You, if you get on base more often, you're the more likelihood you're going to you're going to score. I mean, it's like it's a, it's it's like what's his name? Um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm drawing blanks right now. Um, our third baseman here. Um, <laughs> why am I oh Max why Muncy, I Max, Muncy Max, thank you. Muncy, I don't know why I'm the Muncy right now, Muncy. I,
2: before this, I I would rather that have Justin Turner his, right his now. His average was Muncy. like at 180 or something. He's up to like 205 or whatever. Yeah, he might but get his, a few his his OPS, win. His OPS is like at 830. He has like 30 home runs, and people are like, he's having a great season. I would, OPS at
0: I would rather have Justin Turner at third base right now than Max Muncy. Absolutely. That guy gets on base more. He get, I, I love to see singles more than I love to see all these home runs. I would rather see a Max Muncy that hits me 250 and hits 20 home runs than 200. And maybe I get one home run out of him on average uh, once, uh, once, uh, once a week maybe, sometimes twice a week, but on average really once to twice a week. But then it's feast or famine the rest of the way, right? Look, the guy's having a, a good year as far as Max Muncies go, but he, he's going to strike out like crazy. I mean that's just the bottom line. Now you need him in the lineup cuz you know he's going to get you one big knock, but I I I you can't ignore when a guy's hitting 33340 compared to 27260. Um it's just it's just money when you're hitting at that at that you know at that rate. I mean it's it's insane. Um I don't I just you know, I don't know, I'm still old school when it comes to stuff like that. I like to see guys get on base.
1: I I look I, I, this debate for the MVP I think is going to go on for for at least another month and it's going to be very exciting to see what these guys do facing each other this weekend if if Mookie if Federico have big series or if Acuña comes in and puts on a show if Matt Olson puts on a show yeah. and maybe who should be in the MVP conversation Ozzy Albies you know if he puts on a show um, I just it's gonna be very interesting to watch now, you mentioned another guy who you've heard some MVP uh chatter about. I want to invoke uh Cody Bellinger's name because I don't know if you guys heard what Scott Boris had to say about Cody Bellinger and how the Dodgers handled his injury. Um, they were basically saying Bellinger was playing hurt this whole time. And what the Dodgers were doing, uh, you know, was actually hurting uh, Bellinger. I bring this up because I think this is interesting because of what happened with Tony Gonsolin. There's a lot of people out there who owe Tony Gonsolin an apology because Tony Gonsolin was pitching hurt for a long time. Now, when the Dodgers sit there and say, well, you know, he, he didn't tell us you know, how bad he was hurting, because I know baby feats, you were asking this question the whole season when they kept bringing up this whole, like he's not recovering well, he's not. And you had said, well, then why are they letting him pitch? If there is something wrong with him, why are they letting him pitch? Now, if it's true because they've interviewed Gonsolin that he was doing this for the team because the team didn't have enough starting pitching that, that man is owed an apology And he literally took one for the team because he's going to be out all all of next season. Uh, But are there concerns to you guys the way the Dodgers are handling injuries with these players? If it's true that Bellinger's shoulder, and maybe it was just it took Bellinger longer to heal from it, Bowman, are are you concerned at all the way the, the Dodgers managed? Because Friedman came out and answered Boris's insinuation saying he's wrong. We didn't do anything wrong the way they managed Cody Bellinger. No, I agree with Friedman. I think they're just they're, they're
0: finding excuses, and Boris is trying to find excuses for the fact that this guy sucked for like three years, okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he got hurt for a little bit, but if he was hurt, he shouldn't have played. He shouldn't have played. This is the thing that makes me very upset, and i talked to other people about this too way before. You see these pitchers go out there, and you know something's wrong, you know something's wrong. A lot of times they're not saying anything and they're hiding it because they don't want to lose their spot. Now I want to know if he told the Dodgers, if he in fact told Dave Roberts, I can't pitch. I'm in pain. I don't want to pitch. If he told management that I guarantee you, they would say, okay, we're going to shut you down. He did not do that. So players do this out of greed. The point that I am trying to make here is when players don't speak out and say, I can't play. They're going to get, oh, well, I'm afraid to get criticized. That you know, You're not a gamer. You're not Kobe Bryant. You're not going to pay to the pain. The pain not everyone has that level of pain tolerance. Okay? So it's very different for other, it's just this human body. But if the player is not asking to sit themselves down, then I'm blaming the player because a lot of these players don't want to lose their spot. They're choosing themselves over the team. And that makes me very upset when I see guys out there that are clearly hurt, and then 30 days later, oh, the guy is on the DL. Well, he should have been on the DL 30 days ago. So uh, unless he kept it, unless he didn't say something, I, I want to see more with Cody Bellinger. Yes, we know he was hurt, but he had he had one good first half season, back in 2019, I believe it was. That's it. From the second half of that season, he went down the drain and never found himself again for three and a half years in Chicago, where he was playing meaningless baseball and he didn't have any pressure behind him. That's why the guy does well. Some players do really well in cities where it matters. Boston, New York, L.A. That's why I give Mookie a lot of credit. That guy, that guy's a gamer. I give Justin Turner that kind of credit. I don't think Cody likes that pressure. He's not an L.A. guy. Now Chicago's doing well. That's great. But I don't think he's that kind of gamer. If he found his game, fantastic. But it irritates me to hear their agents and hear them come out and give ex- excuses for how the Dodgers manage through these injuries. I don't think the Dodgers are forcing players to play through injuries. I highly doubt that. But I'd, like, I'd want to know more. I'd want to hear from Tony himself. Which he's not going to do, he's not going to say. But unless he says, No, I told them not to play me, but they forced me to go out there. And I know they didn't force them. You don't force these big leaguers to go out there, they'll go out there themselves. I
1: Damn it. Know. Get on the boat, everybody. Get on the boat. But the boatman says, you know, It's interesting that you, you make that point, though, boatman, because I, I think you literally have described the opposite of what's happening to Anthony Rendon down in Anaheim because Anthony Rendon is getting a bunch of crap for not playing because Anthony Rendon is just going through a horrible season of injury where he's constantly getting hurt. And over there, people, you know, they're talking about just DFAing him, release him, cut him, and, and all that stuff. So I, there is both sides to that argument. Uh, but I see your point, babyface. Uh, where do you stand on this? Do you think... There's any malpractice side on, on the Dodgers who are notoriously uh, known for being conservative with players that, that are showing any signs of, of injury. They, they do shut them down. So when Scott Boris is coming out there
2: shooting these shots, do you give this any credence? I mean, you know, like Jason was saying, I mean, this is for for season when when he hurt his shoulder in 2020, right? The, with the Kike thing, right? And then yeah, after let's that, let's make sure let's give credit to where it's due. Kike broke his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yet
1: every Dodger fan roots for Kike. So.
2: So 2021, he had a horrible season. 2022 had a. So, I mean, I think he would have. He should have got better along the way. And I think it's just Boris talking, right? Because. Bellinger's a free agent at the end of the season, right? And he's having a great year, so like, you know what they're looking for at the end of the season, right? They're they're looking for a payday. Know, yeah, they're, they're going to want a big, a big fat payday with probably you know in the three hundred million mark. So, I mean, of course he's going to say that. You know, I mean, and the thing with Bellinger is, okay, can he duplicate it again? Can he do this again next season? And then because the, some team's going to pony up and be like, you know what, we'll give you a five, six, seven year, eight deal. And is he going to go wherever he goes? Or if he stays in Chicago, is he going to duplicate that, you know, going forward? You know, remains to be seen. I mean, the thing with Gonsolin, though, is he said back in June, he got that MRI that showed that he had the, the tear and he needed it. So that's what I don't understand. Like, if you got it in June, why aren't they shutting this guy down? Like, I mean, because did... the doctor said he could pitch with it. He wasn't going to do mm-hmm. himself more harm. I mean, I, I mean, I kind of find that hard to believe. Like, how are you not going to do yourself more harm? You know, pitching with a with a torn you know a ligament. I mean, I mean, I don't understand that, but I mean, I, I, mean, I
1: agree with you. So that you know. that's why I'm asking you: is this malpractice that this doctor told him you can keep it? It was Dr. Neil Attache, who is a very you know well respected surgeon. He's the one that told him he could keep pitching with it. So yeah, I, I don't know if it's any different than what they're telling Shohei because I know Shohei's getting a, a second opinion and all that stuff. If Shohei, who said, no, I didn't want an R, uh, an MRI, if they were telling him the same thing, no, you can pitch through it. You can pitch through it. I I, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like whether he should have been pitching with it or not, obviously the dude was pitching hurt. And I think what the boatman is saying is probably true. He didn't want to lose his spot, but at the same time, the, That team had a lot of pitchers on the I.L. They had nowhere else. They were literally going to go to the park and get somebody. Hey, you want to pitch for us? Can you pitch? Can you give us a couple of innings? So I I think the guy deserves at least a little credit for going out there and pitching where he could have very easily just said, shut me down.
2: Yeah, I mean. If your dude's pitching out there like I said with a freaking you know, needing Tommy John, right? I mean obviously this <laughs> this guy, you know, deserves a lot of credit for, for going to that. I mean I can't imagine how much that hurts, right? As you're as you're pitching, still trying to get your your velocity up, you know, but yeah, I mean, I don't yeah, like Jason said, he he should have just said, Hey, you know what, I'm not pitching or Dodger should have said, Hey, I'm not we're not gonna pitch you anymore. I mean I think that that really kinda does not I don't think that helps anybody, right? You're sending out a picture that's hurt out there, you know, and, and we saw it with Tony, like he had games that were really bad. And we're like, what the heck's wrong with Tony Gonsolin, right? Yeah. And, then they, and they just say like, you know, he's dealing with stuff, you know, and like they wouldn't say it. I mean, it's like just the dude needs Tommy John, like <laughs> let him get Tommy John. And also, you know, it, it also impacts like, you know, if it's back in June, the guy could have Tommy John in July and maybe he comes back next season, but now he's having it, yeah. you know, beginning September. And he's gone until 2025. So it's like, you know, if you need it, kind of just get it done and get it over with and start the rehab.
0: Do we know who Noah Syndergaard's doctor is? I'm just curious (laughs) if that's...
1: <laughs> and, and there for... we go. It's a perfect segue. uh Boatman, what are your thoughts on the Guardians releasing Noah Syndergaard? <laughs> you, you know, hey, Wookie, he he didn't have a bad game against the Dodgers the other day. So it I'm was the revenge game. He 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 lived you know? long enough to get his revenge. You <laughs> sure and did. now he's going to take his money? Uh, you, you, I mean, what
0: he look? All joking aside, you, you don't want to see people's careers end. And the guy was great while it lasted. And so you know you.
1: You're on mute. boatman. you went on mute. Oh, well,
0: some say that's my best stuff. Okay, but <laughs> anyhow, what I was saying was, you know, you feel bad for the guy. You don't want to see anyone get hurt, you know, and so it, it, he was great while it lasted what I was saying, and so, you know, I, but that that might be the end of the road for him. I think when a couple of teams have already said that's it, um, that could be it for the guy, you know, and so, um, yeah. it's Is anyone going to pick him up, do I think? I think it's doubtful at this point. Um, so he's going to have to make some real decisions here at the end of the season.
1: So that leads me to this. Uh The Angels decided to put half their team on waivers. <laughs> so uh there are some interesting names on there that I don't think the Dodgers are going to get any chances at, at claiming them. Because I think the Dodgers are the third to last team yeah. to be able to claim anybody in terms uh, of the order. So I think... If anyone of those people that they put on waivers, I would have the Matt Moore kid is someone I would love to see in the Dodgers bullpen, but baby phase, I know you were talking about earlier about Giolito so you really can you make the argument for me why the Dodgers should you know take a flyer on Giolito?
2: Well, I'm not saying they should take a flyer, but i I find it interesting you know that you know these certain guys like Giolito you know he was coveted at the trade deadline and then he goes to the Angels and you know he wasn't successful at all, right? And then, you know, when you look at somebody like Lance Slyn, you know, he wasn't doing very good at, at all in Chicago and he comes to LA and he turns the season around. Like right? so my point is can that can the same can that same thing be done for somebody like Giolito, right? Does it depend where they land? Like if Giolito would have came to LA, would he been really good? right or would he have been the version that the angels got that's what i'm kind of saying like there's some magic right with the dodgers doing and like you mentioned yet yeah, it's not going to happen every single time you know 9 out of 10 times maybe it probably will you know it didn't happen for noah Syndergaard. but you never know if you bring in a guy like giolito you never know what what you might get so
1: let me ask you this do you think the dodgers saw something in giolito but the price tag was too high and that's why they didn't go for Giolito. And instead they settled for well,
2: Lance Lynn. Well, that's the thing too, that I was mentioning too, is like, I think they have to see something like, be like, you know what, there's something there that we know we can fix. So let's go ahead, Let's kind of go after that guy. And I d- said, I don't know if they were ever in a Giolito. Maybe they, they, maybe they weren't, maybe they were, they never saw something there. that thought, you know what this, we can help this guy. He could help us, you know, and they saw it with Lynn, you know, they've seen it in other guys. I mean, look, look at uh, Tyler Anderson. I mean. The guy came over to the Dodgers. The guy's a stud. He goes to the Angels, Yeah, and the guy's imploded, right? So, He, he got there's paid. Def- yeah, there's, sure definitely some, there's definitely something there that, that Mark Pryor does to these guys. And, you know, he, if, he, if he sees a guy and he thinks, you know what, I can fix this guy, most of the time it, it does work. Boatman, would you claim
1: any of those guys that the Angels put on waivers? I wouldn't claim anything the Angels put out
0: there. Look, I I just, I don't know. I think here's my only fear. I I don't want them to get too excited about adding. I guess you could add these guys and not have to play them in the playoffs. But um, I think the Dodgers might feel like they may be okay. There's, there's no one out there. I think that could take someone's spot right now. Now, of course you're losing Gonsolin, what have you. I mean, you might have Bueller coming back. So I I don't know if they even want to take that on. Um, so maybe, uh, you know, it, the, the, these projects, I think like what Roger said, I think he said it well. The Dodgers have done a great job. Mike Pryor has done a great job with some of these folks and, and really knowing who to bring on board and fix. Um, you know, who am I to say, ah, they shouldn't waste their time getting this guy. I, I don't I'm not an expert. They may see something and they can turn it around. They can turn it around. Great. I just don't know if there's anyone out there right now. I guess what I'm trying to say that is better than what the Dodgers
1: already have, if that makes any sense, right? To say, no, that it,
0: guy deserves a spot over this guy.
1: Well, I think another great point that you put on there, because I'm like, well, what do they have to lose? You know, it's just extra right. money with Giolito, right? But if they could fix Giolito, I mean, that would be a great right. person to have in the in the rotation for the playoffs. But you brought something up, and that is the Bueller thing. Is it maybe they're hesitant to go after another starter because – they want to see what Bueller can if Bueller is going to be able to come back in September and where does he fit? So maybe, but like I said, to me, of the ones they put on there, the bullpen arms are the ones that really intrigue me. But all the other people that are fighting to get into the wild card, they're gonna claim those guys. Yeah, they're not gonna, they're they're not gonna to get to the Dodgers. Yeah. All right. So let's uh let's go into the picks, everybody. Uh Unfortunately, last week, we did not have a winner uh, because the Dodgers just, of course, continue. We have a final here, and that is the Dodgers have defeated the Diamondbacks, the Serpientes. What was the final score? Was it 7 nothing, or did they end up giving up a run? 7 nothing. So they sweep the Diamondbacks, and then they took two out of three in, in Boston. So the Dodgers ended up going 5-1. and one. The closest to it was uh, La Reina de Playa Larga, who uh, she went four and two, but of course. That that was me. Oh, you went four and two. That's right. La Reina went three and three with me. Uh, Real quick, she's not here. So next time we have her on the show, we need to ask her about her trip. She was in Boston. But real quick, your thoughts on that series, Boatman, between uh, the Doyers and, and the Red Sox and the reunion that took place, basically. Because it seems like only the Dodgers and the Red Sox do business with each other. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I saw some videos of of some Red
0: Sox fans out there heckling Dodger fans, uh, saying things like, "Well, you guys basically are the Red Sox of the West," and this and that. And hey, well, hey, we just we got guys that know what they're doing in the front office. That's what that tells me. So uh, it was great. I, you know, it was. Um, it tells you about what we have in Mookie Betts in out, out outside of the diamond, right? That you have an amazing player who's an MVP caliber player, but at the same time just a, a guy that people love. He's a great teammate, um, just a great community guy. The Boston fans love the guy. He's come to LA, he's done the same thing here in the city. And so it's really neat to see that. It makes it makes me feel good as a Dodger fan, knowing we did the right thing here. This is some this is just a, a franchise guy that I hope sticks around for the extent of his entire contract um and finishes his career as a Dodger. Uh, for all intents and purposes, and so you love, I love to see guys like that, guys like Justin Turner as well. On the flip side, too, right? Um, I'm not comparing him statistically to Mookie Betts, but in terms of a franchise guy, that's 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 to me, he's a Dodger. I uh, hope he, if he had to enter the Hall of Fame, I would hope he retired a Dodger if such a thing existed. He's just he's just that guy, and so it stings a little bit to see him in a Red Sox uniform. But I'm really excited that he's continued to prove everyone, including the Dodgers, hey, I still got it, right? And so. Those were the moments, I think, that, that I kind of look at that series and say that it was pretty fun to see those faces out there. And I think the Dodgers have built themselves a little bit of a rivalry, especially the way we got manhandled by them back in 2018. So, you know, I, I, it would have been nice to see them again, but I, we're not going to see them this year in the World Series if we get there, I doubt it. But um, it's great. It's, it's fun to see them out there. And the last thing I'll say is, boy, do our Dodger fans travel hard. That is the most amazing thing in not in baseball, in professional sports. Period here in the United States anyways that i can i've n- I've never seen anything like it, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and I think we impress fans and broadcasters and everyone when they see the Sea of blue you know we'll go anywhere I don't care where we play, <laughs> we will travel um we might be the first ones to Mars, I mean just because if there's a game out there so
1: <laughs> it, it it was fun to watch well, you know friend of the guy huh? Rob Bradford said it, he tweeted it he said he has never seen another opposing fan base take over Fenway the way the Dodger fans did. And this is coming from before where the Yankees were visiting nine times out of the year. I was surprised to hear that from Bradford. Bradford, he covers the Red Sox, so he's there every day. I would have thought for sure there would have been series where the Yankees took over Fenway Park, but he said it. He's never seen an opposing fan base take over a stadium like Fenway Park. Babyface, I want to ask you real quick before we go into the picks. uh, I've been hearing this a lot, and Bradford even said it too, that this Dodger team reminds them a lot of the 2018 Red Sox team that beat the crap out of the Dodgers Mm. in the 2018 World Series. Is it just because there's so many Red Sox players on this team that that's why it reminds them of the 2018 team? I mean, what is it about this Dodger team that that has people saying, even though they have flaws, there's something different about this team.
2: I mean, I, I think it's just how they've battled, right? I mean, the beginning of the season, right? We're like, oh man, what type of what type of year is this going to be, right? It was really up and down for a couple months, and then they finally they finally got in that groove where they've been in, and they've shown where they're they're you know they're down in games and they could come back, and I think one of the biggest differences that i keep seeing from this year and, and probably past years and last year like last year is they have some of these veterans like hayward and perota that i think are going to play big dividends uh this season they're gonna they're going to come through in in those spots where normally like like, dang dodgers couldn't score like that base is loaded a runner on second like i think some of these guys are going to pay off this year and i think that's the biggest difference that you know, with two outs, they're leading like the league, like in, in average, right? And, and how many runs they score with two outs? And I think that's huge, right? I mean, when you think two outs, like okay, we're almost out of this, but um, this Dodgers team will—they'll get runs with two outs, and I think that's been the biggest difference. I mean, you, I mean, I, I I said this before. I mean, they're playing great. I hope they keep playing great through September. You know, but then they're gonna have that layoff. And I know that's kind of what killed them last year, right? In that first round of the playoffs. And hopefully, hopefully it just gives them rest this, this time around and they're able to come back out of that as strong going into the playoffs.
1: There it is. There it is. All right. So let's get into our picks. Uh for our viewers, our listeners, uh, make sure you submit your picks. You can do it through social media, reach out to the bleed account, whether it be I'm still gonna call it Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Uh, send it through Twitter, send it through Instagram. Uh, Let us know. The viewers are still in the lead. Our listeners are still in the lead. They got a three game lead over me. They got a four game lead over Babyface, and they got a five game lead over La Reina de Playa Larga. So we're going to do seven games. It's this big four game series against the Bravos. And then they go on the road and they play three against uh, the fighting fish in, in Miami. So, uh boatman let's start off with you i think they go five and two. Oh wow everybody's feeling it right okay five and two uh i will go de- didn't the la reina de playa larga gave us her picks right
2: she went five and two also
1: so the ladies line is going five and two um look this bravo series really scares me the fact that the dodgers it's still we don't know who's pitching on saturday what the, what do you guys know what's behind that are is it just to give someone an extra day I, I, is that why all of a sudden it's in who do you think is it going to just be
2: a bull a bullpen game on Saturday? you're not looking they have the five pitchers right they, they have yeah. the five to cover it, right I don't know maybe they're going to call up somebody again maybe they'll call up uh it's Gavin, like they're going to um, go to
1: a six man rotation because it's Kershaw Urias. Lance Lynn, Miller, and then you had the Pepio Yarbo combination. So they have five pitchers. But Miller's going to pitch on Sunday. So the fact why did they push Miller to Sunday? All right? So Saturday I guess is going to be a bullpen game. So that's the kind of stuff that makes me nervous and then they're going to try travel cross country. Um that being said, I think the Dodgers and when the Marlins when the fighting fish were here in Los Angeles, they played them tough. He they did. played them tough. Yeah. They kicked their ass with the first game and then the second game they were 3 to 1 ball games both of them. So um ah, damn. I'm going to they keep proving me wrong, but I need to make up some ground here. So I'm not going to go 5 and 2. I'm
2: going to go 4 and 3. Babyface I mean, so obviously this series against the Braves, I mean, happy two and two, right? I'm mean, kind of said that was the Padres big four game series a while back, but screw it. I'm going to go. They're going to take three from the Bravos and and two from the Fish again. So five five and two. I'm going to go five wow. and two.
1: Everybody's feeling the Dodgers right now. So I, I mean, and you know, what's so crazy is, is I don't know if you guys are wrong because the Dodgers took two out of three in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, so it, it, it's 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 not a you guys aren't wrong. So that's gonna so,
2: cool. r- real quick quick question. So if they took two out of three, right, and say, say and that was a long time ago, right? Obviously, if if they win this series three out of four, mm-hmm. would you consider the Dodgers the best team in baseball, or do you think the critics will still because everybody still considers the Braves the best team in baseball? If the Dodgers beat them this weekend, are the Dodgers the best team in baseball? Um, well,
0: if they complete the sweep. They're now literally tied for the for the best record, right? They would be, if they were to sweep, because they're four games behind. I think. Did the Braves lose today, or did they they probably won? But
2: no, I think that I don't know if they I mean because because I, I always look at those dumb like power rankings and and stupid Ben Verlander freaking always has them at third. That guy's like the the biggest Dodger hater there is. I don't know what he's gonna do next when Shohei's on the team because like he loves Shohei, so I don't know what he, he's gonna have to like change his mentality on the dodgers or something but yeah like i always see them it's always like the braves the orioles and the dodgers you know yeah i I, I mean i don't think there's a lot of respect for the dodgers though like it's crazy
1: it's almost like those are the top three teams that have the best records right
2: uh
1: they are i mean maybe that's why they're in the top three i i mean look in terms of i don't know man i i think they're That Atlanta, the problem is, is when you're going to a short series, right? And the thing is, is it's the regular season. The Braves right now, they're going to be coming in from Colorado. They're on the road. You have to sit there and wonder. Sometimes there's decisions made where they're like, they're trying to rest people. How hard are they really going to try to win these games?
2: But to me, the difference is when you go out on the road and you win, I think that speaks more than when you when you win at home, right? You're expected to win at home, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're able to go into another team, especially if the Braves come in here and they sweep or win three out of four, I think that that shows more than them winning at home. You know what I'm saying? Right.
1: So basically, if the Braves win the series, then you're saying the Braves are the better team.
2: <sighs> they would look as to be the better team, right? I mean, if they come in and, like, dominate, right? I mean – I'm kind of expecting – I don't think it's going to be like a domination one team or another. I think they're probably going to be all close games, you know?
1: I'm looking forward to it because this is going to be a test because I feel even though the Diamondbacks were coming in hot, they had won 8 out of 10 coming into the series. The Dodgers – I mean, That's because not...
2: half, half those victories were against the Padres. So.
1: <laughs> there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, the uh, baby face shitting on the Padres. He will never miss an opportunity – to shit on the show pods, he saved it for very late in the show. Uh, go ahead and bury him again. I mean, I know you buried him three three weeks, four weeks ago. I know it gives you great pleasure. Go ahead and bury him again.
2: Yeah, they're they're buried. They're I think their casket even sunk more, if possible. Like it, it just like keeps sinking.
0: They might well, have seceded I- from the state of California. That's how <laughs> bad Roger is saying that team is. <laughs>
1: I, I'm very looking forward uh, to the, to the series. I, I really want to see how the Dodgers match up only just because, I mean, they're steamrolling everybody. They, they haven't lost. They have not lost a series. It's nine straight series that they've won now. So it, it, it's going to be nuts and don't look down, but the magic number is now 16. Mm. So we are going to get to a point where the Dodgers more than likely will probably clinch by the middle of September, and you're going to have a, the same scenario that we've had in past years that for two weeks they're going to be playing meaningless baseball. And I think it speaks to what you were saying, babyface. Uh, uh, would it be better if they were fighting till the end? But we've also seen that same scenario where they fought until the end of that year when they uh, were with the Rockies.
2: See, I don't really buy that meaningless baseball because technically right now, it's meaningless baseball. They're just going out there and playing the games and, and but by one by one
3: they
1: have the best record.
2: Yeah, I mean, but still, they're just going out there and putting victory after victory after victory. It's not like any anything. This weekend, I think they'll be hyped up for it. Yeah, hopefully I think so too. they come up hyped up for it. this will be a big weekend. I think All it'll right, feel well- like the playoffs out there. Well,
1: that's going to do it. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. You have sido su servidor Juan Ramirez. De parte de mis colegas, the boatman, Jason Marquero, and Babyface, nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lose podcast has been brought to you by BenOnline.ag, where the game starts.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.